Welcome to Dancing with the Bards. My name is Ian, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Will. Hello. Chris. Howdy. And Brooke. Hey. Along with our guest for this week, Nick. Hello. Today we'll be covering a cooperative role-playing game called Fiasco, published by Bully Pulpit Games in 2009. This award-winning role-playing game requires only two sets of six-sided dice and requires very little pre-game setup. Between that and a mountain of different settings, Fiasco has gained a large following in the tabletop game community. This game is based heavily on role-play and allows for all of the characters to navigate the story together, so there is no game master. With the basics out of the way, let's get started. Could not have been more robotic with that <laughs> delivery. <laughs> But understandable. Uh, there is a lot to talk about. Did we want to get any uh, like first impressions out of the way first, and then go into our, our grading system? Yeah, I, I like the module we played. We played um, cross Atlantic, Trans Transatlantic, Transatlantic. Transatlantic. Um, I mean, Ian was my dad. How can I go wrong with that? I'm a great dad. <laughs> no, I, was, I was a terrible father. <laughs> I played the no, song. I mean all in all in all, you were you were a very supportive father. Yeah. Um, you even tried to keep the sword cane away from me. Like it, you were you were doing a good job. I was playing uh, son to the the Monopoly Empire, uh, Frank Fee Yasko, uh, and I had uh, my best bud, the captain, right. and then my other bud, uh, gambling man. So if you guys wanted to go over your characters, I simplified them to as much as my character well, perceived them. We can get into that as we talk about the role, uh, character creation. I guess it's true too. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. I, I personally enjoy the game, but we we would end that as well. Uh, starting with a uh, number of players, three to five uh, for this game is what they recommend, and based on our playthrough with five people, I feel like that's pretty uh good point to set because any more than that and it would have taken a lot longer i think mm -hmm. especially with all the the connections and all of the scenes that everyone does it'd get wild and also it i guess with five it works best because you don't have to add more dice yeah because you um you said there was a set amount of dice yes. and regardless of the amount of players yeah um each for a certain amount of players there's the two uh say black and white two white die two black die per person so you need four times whatever how many people okay so 20 dice what? in total for five people but there would be 16 for four yeah oh okay i thought it was the same for okay yeah i guess that keeps everything even yeah that's how we were able to uh for the character creation uh you know use up all the dice you know yeah yeah. And for uh, the scenes. I, I do feel like it, it's definitely how I envision number of players is less so uh, if, if it's a correct number of players and more so in regards to if it's something that I would feel would be better if there could be more or like if there if that's a bad way of putting it. Basically, I do wish this game could be played with more people. Uh, but unfortunately, three to five is really the absolute maximum you can hit with its its rule sets and the amount of time allotted you have for the game. Uh, so I, I didn't necessarily give it a great score, but I didn't give it an awful score. Uh, one and a half on my part. Okay. I, I, I think if you put any more players, even if you tried to scale up the way they did, 
I feel like the more players you have, it would just get so bound in on itself with like the different relationships and the um, needs. I feel like it would turn into a telenovela pretty quickly. <laughs> what if that's exactly what I wanted? Well, then yeah, okay. If you if you want a telenovela, then it'd be you could you could do that. I just feel like it would get I you'd want, have to write notes. <laughs> Brooke, I want to be on Casu Cerrado. Okay. There's probably a place up for that. We, we should check. That would be good. Yeah, be there cool. was a housewife setting. Yeah, there was a so Hollywood wives. Okay. I think, I think Chris, we know what we're doing. It's Reality a TV deal for it. I gave it a three. Number of players, as I always say, three to five is my sweet spot. Well, I, I did two for number of players. I think it's, you know, it'd be fun if there was more people and there was a system to, uh, I guess, make it more manageable with like a more of a D&D group. No, if you want to play with their your friends on in that setting instead of like a like half of them or a smaller portion. But I think they set out to do a small number of people game and that's what they did. And that's how mm-hmm. they Very fair. Yeah. Sure. Going into inclusivity. I uh so one of the things we should talk about real quick was uh when we were going over some of the modules mm-hmm. uh I will say they're very unapologetic is that I think the best way I would uh state how they look into the relationship attachments one and two uh how they wrote the book there's a lot of vulgarity in it mm-hmm. I would say this is definitely not for all ages and especially if you're trying to run it for the first time you're looking through the book and while I won't say that the way that they in- introduced uh, concepts that might be offensive to people are in bad taste, I think it would be something you definitely would want to make sure your players are aware of before you go over it. Yeah, this is, this is a great reminder of if you're playing TGRPGs, you should probably have a conversation about like uh, your limitations, like those safety... What, what are they? Safety rules. Safety, safety rules, yeah. Or just like... <laughs> yeah. just. Knowing your players well. This is definitely some of these you need to know your players to know what's mm-hmm. going to be received well. A group of good friends. Yeah. Well, not even good friends. Just knowing each other to the point where, like, the one set that you guys showed me, I probably wouldn't have been comfortable with. Like, what was the other one? Mission to Mars. M- Mission, Mission to Mars. Mar- I probably Mercury. wouldn't have been comfortable. Mercury. Mercury. I, I probably wouldn't have been comfortable with that set. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't have been either. That's why we, we switched to the transatlantic. Yeah. I didn't actually read that. What was the the well, scenario? For one of the um relationships. Relationships it was uh ugly. It was ugly, ugly yeah. and it had stuff like big Ge- different bigotry. Oh sexist, Jesus, yeah, that would have been like, Yeah, and we would literally just homophobic. be playing with one less homophobic thing. Yeah, one. we wouldn't have picked those things, but yeah. it definitely being there. I know some of our friends would have picked that, even though the rest of us were uncomfortable with it. Yeah. So it, it's definitely knowing knowing your group's limitations is important for yeah. these. Um, I just wanted to break the illusion a little bit. Uh, we did talk about this in advance last night, um, and that that was one of the things that we had brought up was in this group. Um, we know that it is a, a very very safe environment. Um. However, I feel like uh, in a lot of other scenarios, um, if you gave people those options, even if it wasn't intentionally um, being done in a hurtful way, it just opens up a lot of of issues uh, or inter-party issues um, 
that that could lead to, to further problems down the line. So that is something to consider. If you haven't had that conversation with your group, you should definitely have the conversation with your group on what hard lines are for people, or even yellow lines. Um, yes. I, I was going to say, but it's the beauty of this game that these sheer amount of play sets, um, you will find something that will suit your needs. So if you're playing with a group of strangers and you're not sure of, there will be probably some kid-friendly ones. So, you know, I would say I put in inclusivity uh for one because i've still i was waving between one and two but i was thinking the sheer number of options that there are out there that you will find something that will uh, cater to your particular needs and for uh, playing this game yeah i I agree with that a lot actually Uh, i gave it one and a half for the same reason um because you in our when we were planning this you gave us like 20 to 30 different like play sets that we could have gone through yeah. uh so uh there were obviously some that i weren't super uh that i wasn't super jazzed about uh but there were also a lot of ones that looked really interesting so there's there's a wide variety of uh different ones that you can really go for uh even though you might not be a huge fan of uh, a certain majority of them yeah and that those are what i listed and i kind of went overboard with that honestly um it, those were the pre-made. Those were the ones that came uh, in the official packs. If you if you go onto that website, there's a website where all these home-brewed ones are made for something that's a completely different. Um, that's where you can. Uh, I could have posted those too, but now I think about it. Um, there would have been something you might have uh, took a fancy to. Yeah, I, I don't think any of it was was done with bad intentions, and it's not like it's in every module. Correct. Uh, it's just in a, in a few of them, and uh, I just wanted to bring that up for the purposes of uh, posterity's sake. Yeah, well, that and just to be you know upfront and clear about these things. I don't think they did it with bad intentions. I just think that it's something that might upset some people. So I would just look through these ahead of time before you play it because there are a lot of them for the modules. Yeah, don't assume that all of them are friendly for everyone. Yeah. Uh, there are some T for teens in these E for everyone games. <laughs> yeah. And in that case, it reminded me a little, like, I was looking through some of them after finding that out. Um, and it, it felt like, it gave me the feeling of Spyfall, like the parts I didn't like in Spyfall, where it was like there were a lot of stereotypes mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a personal thing that just kind of ekes me. So... I mean, these these settings are a lot of them are based on film, yeah. and uh, in film you have a lot of those kinds of tropes that reduce things to those elements, and yeah. it, it does show through. Uh, it's... I know some people like those kinds of things. I'm not trying to pick a side either way. I'm just letting everyone know oh, yeah. that it's there. If you had the problems with Spyfall that I had the problem with Spyfall, maybe <laughs> maybe look through these carefully. Uh, that said, uh, we should probably move on to comprehension. This was good. This was really good. It was straightforward for me. I liked mm-hmm. it. The font wasn't egregious either. Like even their fun font, I can read with some ease. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rule comprehension. Uh, I looked through the the documents you guys sent. You sent me Nick, and uh, it's all pretty straightforward. Yeah. Just look it up, and you'll be easily be able to show you how it works. 
Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty easy to read, and the important sections uh, have larger font, so it's a lot easier to read those separate from the actual rules or setting itself. So we had a, a printout of our adventure path, um, and we just very easily flipped between the different uh, pages, and was I didn't have any issues. Uh, yeah, that's that's all I have to say about that. Reading through, I did give it a two, just because reading through the main rulebook, uh, it felt like Jason Morningstar was yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was some vulgarity in that part. <laughs> like he's somehow angry at me for reading his book. So, uh, yeah, it, it, there is some confusion there, and I think like, that takes away from it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I get what he was going for, and it, it, it is fun, but for a rules comprehension, maybe a little overboard. Yeah. Okay, for materials, you don't have to listen to me this time because we weren't able to get the physical copy in time, so you don't have to hear me um, drone on <laughs> about paper quality. Just... Every place I went to go get this book from, uh, every time we got it shipped, there was a massive delay on it. I uh, will let you know it did arrive <laughs> at about ten today. Oh, yeah, so after we God left, damn it. That said, it's a uh, standard soft cover book, 132 pages, uh, rather small, and uh, can you compare it to like uh, Webster Dictionary or like of the size of the book? Uh. It says here it's it a... Uh, six inch by nine inch. Oh, okay, okay. So, yeah, I was able to get a, a full description from a few articles of uh, the actual book itself for Brooke's sake. Uh, yeah, well, she, he, I tried. He quoted a Wired article, and I'm sorry, I'm not trusting a tech company's perfectly bound statement because I don't know why a tech company would know <laughs> anything about bookbinding. The game itself uh, requires you to have twenty d sixes as well, and well, uh, well up to tw- sorry, up to twenty d sixes, even even twelve d six different colors. Uh, yeah, it's it's not a big ask, but it it's not something everyone's gonna have. Mm-hmm. Like someone will probably have to go out and buy a chessic set or two chessic sets for mm-hmm. this, which chessic dice are kind of expensive yeah. for what they are. I mean, you can you can get four packs of dice at the dollar store. That's or true. Walmart or just about anywhere yeah. that sells. So you, you can get them less. It's just that we are Dice Goblin and want nice dice at all times. Mm-hmm. I mean, my first thought of getting 10 D6s is the, the Chessex cubes that come with like Yeah, no, that's, yeah, see, that's us because we, we play a lot. Yeah, that's true. But you can get the casino dice uh, at cheap. Walmart and stuff pretty cheap. Different colors. It's just, yeah, they have black and white for those. Um, it's just... They just don't feel good in the hand. Fair enough, yeah. So I gave it a two for materials. Overall, pretty good. Uh, definitely some room for improvement, but overall not. They're pr- pretty decent. Well, I mean, hmm. the, the new release that they had with the, what was it, GoFundMe or Kickstarter? It came with the... Yeah, so that's uh, slightly separate, I think. It's it's a similar, it's the same, same game, kind of, but it comes in like a card form. Mm-hmm. So it, I don't think it plays the same as the uh, actual role-playing game does. It, it does, it, it just to. came with the materials that otherwise i know i had to bring note cards and pens Mm -hmm. it comes with that and i think dice too i'm not sure though but and but preset with the uh original rule books uh settings so if you want to do any other set i don't i don't think you can so it's just a simplified version of the four original sets yeah so you can have the cards and you can shoot you know here's the relationships and put it down put down um 
So for materials, we did have to have index cards as well, right? Yeah. Um, I, pens for everyone, index cards, you should have those. Mm-hmm. You could definitely use just normal paper too. So that that's the, di- the dice are the main issue with the amount of stuff. And then I guess the printouts. Just for me Do personally. You, yeah. Do you... Um, has anyone tried looking at this? Like, I know you can look at a computer, but is this formatted in a way that you could use a phone to? Do you think? I'm looking uh, at the I'm looking at the the sizing of the. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I've, I mean, I've read off the tilt and the, our conclusion, our yeah. aftermath from my because okay, so didn't, I didn't print it out because I didn't really think. Okay. Of it. Yeah, so that's just that's just a nice feature because sometimes they don't do that where you can read it easily yeah. on the. On phone, at least I could. Okay, um, so at least your phone it worked with. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other question that I had was, oh no, the fog brain. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll remember it halfway through and ask it to you later. <laughs> that's that's on our editor. <laughs> I will I will say on one of the RPG subreddits, uh, someone did post a link to a website. Where you can get the setup for each of the, uh, the adventures, uh, as well as just like a, a character creation esque zone oh, for like the dice and whatnot. So okay, like, that app for it. Yes, thank you. That was my other question. Do you think you could use digital dice for this? I actually have because the only okay. I, I, this is the first time I ever played on in person. I've made I set up a roll twenty just okay. for fiasco in the in the past. Uh, now the camera setup was a little bit wonky, um, but yeah, yeah. It, it had to enable everyone as a GM to influence, you know, move stuff around and, and move okay. cameras around. Okay. But yeah, I don't see why this you couldn't run this digitally yeah. and so not very just, easily. I was just wondering, but for I had the sake to, of... you know, I had to write each dice number down. But yeah, yeah, I mean, but you could. So if you if you oh, didn't yeah. want to buy the casino dice, but you did not want to invest in chess X yet, um, there is an option. As someone who ran a three-year-long Roll20 campaign, Roll20 does have a, a native option where if you're rolling a large, if you're rolling dice in their dice roller, you can click and drag and move that image of a die, specifically for whatever number it rolled, onto the map. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so yeah. it would definitely work if you, if you didn't want to. Do yeah, I was able things. to pass the dice to, you know, like we did. Okay, okay. Moving on to setup. I really enjoyed the setup for this game. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think that was one of the best parts, honestly. Yeah. It took the parts that I didn't like of Upwind and took it away. So, like, I didn't like Upwind was very separate from each other, where mm-hmm. this it was an active participation of everyone. Yeah. It, it's literally part of the game. Yes. Before you play. So. Which is why we were debating on whether we were streaming it or not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Me too. And, and I, when I was reading through the reviews and the uh, about in section for Fiasco 2, I kind of decided that we were going to do it in uh, on the stream mm-hmm. only because it's one of the things that they push as one of the big aspects of their game is the collaborative setup. Mm-hmm. So I figured it would be good to add that into the stream itself. I'll I gave be, it a three for setup. I really yeah. did enjoy it. I'll yeah. be honest. If I ever run a D&D campaign, we might be doing something similar in the beginning where we have fiasco style roles and such. I, I will say it's very reminiscent of when you build characters in, uh, what was it? Not Call of Cthulhu. It was Monster of the Week. Okay. Where each person had like a relationship yeah. with one of the other characters. I just like this also in- included other items as well where you could. Hmm. So I, I think I definitely would homebrew something into this. I really enjoyed that aspect of the game. 
there is something else that I would say in regards to this. So uh, throughout the character creation process, uh, it goes in, I guess technically speaking, it we did it counterclockwise where you would have the person to your right then make the character connection. Uh, because of that, I did end up very last in terms of uh, building connections at that point. And the way that we were doing it is that uh, you start with a broader category for each person's connection, and then you build on that for the next round, and then do another broader category for the, the round thereafter, and then expound on that afterwards. Uh, so every single round, I was the last person to pick, so I kind of didn't really get a choice in which relationship that I built, um, except for the, the last round where I had a wild card, but then I could only exemplify on a pre-existing uh, relationship. Now, just theoretically, <laughs> I'm having a very specific image. You're going to come on this journey with me. Oh, Do you know the game in the arcade that used to spin around and you try and get the light to stop in one of the gates? Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yes. So what if just like that in that game where it went around to that spot and wherever you hit, it went back the other way. So instead of doing counterclockwise the whole way, once we get to the end, we then go clockwise. So. Oh. That was one of the suggestions I was going to make, but we were already like so deep into it that I didn't want to say anything. Uh, if after one cycle, it starts with the person who went last. Who yeah, that's what I'm saying. So then, it, then... I, so... I don't think it's explicitly said to do a counterclockwise or clockwise. I think that's just the way I yeah. play games, you know? We just get in that rhythm. Yeah. I don't want to play like reverse Uno and then all of a sudden forget who <laughs> you're supposed to pick next, but... That's it. We'll play Uno to figure out who gets oh, to give One the of the times. things that stuck out to me when I was reading through the setup was uh, the way that they wanted you, they suggested to uh, do who started character creation was whoever grew up in the smallest town. Yeah. Oh, no. We all grew up in the yeah. same town. <laughs> Excuse you. Hello, Meriden. Yeah. Oh, Except well, I mean, I mean, technically it's Danbury, Brookfield, and Meriden, but like. I think Meriden is the smallest. Did you grow up in Danbury? Yep. Born race. Oh, so Who I would be the smallest. smallest. Elementary school? That'd be me. What? Who went to the smallest elementary school? I went to Millbridge. Oh, I can King beat Street. you all. So, I, my graduating class was... in eighth grade was 13. That's middle, not elementary school. Elementary school, we had 20 <laughs> in the whole grade level. Yikes. Catholic school? <laughs> yeah. This is not like my, even my Catholic school. Like, we had like 120. Well, that's because you were Danbury. This wasn't in it was in New York. Melrose. I don't remember. Okay. I don't remember what well, state you went to school at. <laughs> well, Brookfield's small, and our Catholic school was even smaller. So. <laughs> nope, it was Colorado. <laughs> okay. That's, so, that's the only thing that setup was great. Rate of play, I enjoyed it the whole way through. I always end up on my phone because I need some kind of focus. Because So one of the things that I try and curb very much is that I tend to because of the ADHD, to insert myself in every possible conversation because I get way too excited. Mm -hmm. Everything's so exciting and I want to be part of it. Uh, <laughs> so I have to be on my phone or doing something else so I don't just be that person. Oh, yeah. I mean, but this game, I mean, you could, and it would make things, it would change things a bit, you know? Yes, but no one would like me anymore. <laughs> I, I mean, I do that at least once a month in D and D, and I see the eye rolls. I do it all the time, and people seem to like me for some reason. You're mm. the DM. That's different. You don't want to play other games, but uh, yeah, I I did enjoy the rate of play. I will say, 
uh, and I think this is more our personal experience, but it is what I have to base off of. Uh, towards the end, I, I felt like things kind of uh, weren't as satisfying for me for some reason. Yeah. Uh, it, it does seem like it doesn't have as much of a direction uh, in it. And, well, that's the intention. It's the game's greatest strength and greatest weakness, I think, mm-hmm. is that because there isn't any general direction, the ending can be less satisfying. Because the way, the way that it ended for us, because it's on a timer, essentially, based on how many dice you have, mm. the it was hard to wrap things up in such a way. I feel like if I did this a uh, second time with more experienced players, it wouldn't be as big of an issue. But if you're new to it and you're not as used to that happening, uh, it does seem to get weird towards the second half, the mm-hmm. uh, act two. Yeah. I will also say, uh, because, once again, it's very open-ended... A lot of the scenes that we each did, some of them were longer and some of them were shorter. There was no consistent like amount of time that we allotted to it. So I do feel like we had a couple of um, scenes that kind of ended a little prematurely. Uh, looking specifically at the uh, Bruno having their head clocked over like Byron. two minutes into their scene. Byron. Byron. Sorry. Yeah, no. I mean, it's fine. I was trying to make sure you had done everything you had before I did anything like that. No, I thought... But it seemed like that's exactly where people were expecting me to go with it. Yeah, no, and that's where it should have gone anyway. It's, it, it ended how it should have ended, but I would have loved another scene, you know? Yeah. There was another option in how to end things where you have... You list all the dice you have. You still go by the aftermath table, but you would explain, like, you go... This dice and uh, this is one ending, this is the continuation of that more okay. and more and that was but to sum things up that's uh, you know just did the one group of things instead of just, and you going by each dice you have yeah you know, some had less some had more so good to know there was another way of ending that yeah mm-hmm. well Ian and I guess Nick also <laughs> being the, the two people who have purchased the game how how would you two rate the uh, price? So twenty five dollars for a physical copy, and fifteen for PDF. Yeah, that's it's. You can't really. It's hard to beat that, with the exception of free. Yeah. I mean, this is one of the more expensive indie games we've gotten in a while. What was Upwind? Uh, Upwind. So I kind of errata. So Upwind was baseline about 40 and then when i purchased oh. it it was about 20 okay so i think either it got more expensive or i got it on a sale okay because i was and gonna say was... like upwind was 20 dollars, and it had a lot more content to it yeah and then there was also like in the way of rules and things when it was going like okay so then so then i i should amend this because i'd given it kind of a midding mid tier because it was kind of on the higher end of the stuff that we've been doing lately for ttrpgs uh, that were indie, or at least uh, not commercially available. Like, I, I, Fiasco's not like in Walmart and Target, right? I don't no. think so. Yeah, I, no, so it'd be, it'd be more. I will say that it's going, this kind of goes into extras a bit, too. But uh, So the, uh, the initial book comes with four settings, mm. right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure I saw four Four-ish, in there. Yeah. Four within that range. If you want to get more settings, they have extra. They have a couple extra books. I think they have like two or three anthologies or something where they have uh, set up another like four or five adventures, right? Yeah, there's so there's three anthologies and there's one fiasco companion one, which has like additional rules and 
different ways of doing different tilts, different and, aftermaths. Yeah, and those are about the same price. Uh, and then you have uh, the packs, basically, that they sell. For yeah, the, the anthologies. Yeah, the anthologies, which are like packs of two. Uh, well, I got them individually. Yeah, that, I was looking online for the sales, and it looks like they have like packs of two for the adventures. Mm-hmm. that come in like uh, $15 each. It's kind of weird because there's three of them. Oh, maybe I maybe I'm I could be mistaken, but I was looking through the, the various Come. options. Yeah, yeah. There's Fiasco the Ten phone. Anthology One, Fiasco Eleven Anthology, which is Anthology Two, mm-hmm. and Fiasco Twelve, which is Anthology Three. I thought I saw packs of uh, almost like card packs that were like two adventures each. It might be a card packs, but then, yeah, we didn't. I have could be wrong then. Yeah. Um. So, uh, Fiasco anthologies are normally twenty, are in currently eighteen dollars. Uh, I'm looking at Fiasco 1, and I don't know how many are in this, but it says it's a volume 1 Fiasco playset, but it's currently going for 18. That's on Amazon, right? Uh, no, it's on Dragon's Drove. Oh, okay. I think that's worth it. The PDF? Yeah, I'm just looking at the PDFs. Oh, the PDF is 18. Yeah. For the general first for the first anthology anthology or the first book well, <laughs> if it's just called fiasco that's not no it's anthology. fiasco anthology one okay yeah no oh, either way so that's the anthology it also could be that dragon's trove is given a little bit of a discount, markup yeah. or a discount like it, it's there's Amazon there's factors with anything like 22 23 yeah there's there's factors with all this stuff in pricing but I gave it kind of middling score not realizing that upwind was very heavily discounted when you bought it but what what I was getting at is overall, while it's is less expensive for the the core book, mm-hmm. if you want to have those adventures and you want to pay for them, uh, and not steal them from a PDF somewhere, uh, <laughs> which I mean every game has that. Yeah, you don't uh, do that. You will be spending somewhere in the range of probably like sixty seventy for all of them. Yeah, uh, for all of that, that's I don't. Think that's not bad. No, no. I, I mean, if you compare it to like Dungeons and Dragons, which charges you like sixty dollars a book. Yeah. And, I'm but, starting to think that we shouldn't got, count them. They're like the Mac of. <laughs> it's it's honestly not. It's hard. It, it's, it's hard, hard not, not to. to but uh, I, I know. But I'm just saying, like that's they've become like this designer, like hard to buy into thing now. Where like owning the stuff is almost outpricing the people that are enjoying them. That's fair. I, I just they usually set a standard in the industry for. I'm not, saying less for shouldn't. indie, less for indie, <laughs> and more for uh, like uh, large gaming companies. Yeah. I'm just saying they shouldn't. <laughs> no, they really shouldn't. <laughs> so one of these indies, please, please take off, please, please make this better. <laughs> All right. Um, so the next thing after price was extras. We we've kind of touched on that on the the amount of expansions they have. Um, the extra things that the community have made have been great. I, I really want to play. There's one that's uh, the cheese wheel. Yeah. Yeah. So it's Cam Cambridge Cambridge. I'm I don't remember. It's the the town in England that they race a wheel of cheese to see who gets good luck in the new year. Uh, and I desperately want to play that. Um, there's also one where you're in a pen convention. There's a lot that's of fun silly one. ones. Oh, that's an official one. Yeah. Okay, I like them more. And but... not people were. That's where you have the... I think all the ones you showed us were official ones. Yes. Oh, no, I, I went on the website originally because oh. I didn't realize they might have They might have had 
of some of the official ones. He, I could, think they did, but there was also um, because I think uh, the uh, the pen one was like here's an extra one in the anthology. Yeah. For special, but you can also buy this, get this separate. Yeah, and the other one that I really like was Bears All the Way Down, um, which was it's a take on the story, uh, or it's a take on the title of the book, Turtles All the Way Down. Oh. Okay. Um, but Bears All the Way Down, you were actually just bears. And I like that as well. Sounds like Honey Heist. I, yeah, it was similar, but just like a little Yogi Bear inspired. Okay. Yeah, so extras just just countless. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that's, a lot. That's the first time I can confidently put a three without going, eh. They're not unreasonably priced. Uh, you can find them everywhere. There's also a lot of fan-made content. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not like you're ever going to run out of uh, ideas for what you want to do for this game, and there's a way to make your own. There's a there's a guide on that. Too. Yeah, there's yeah. A, a that's that's one of the, the little packs that I saw. For, oh, it might have been that then. Yeah, that, well, that was one of them. That's why I thought there was there was more. Anyway, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, uh, that does lead us into community. Though, yeah, talking about fan made stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did research on this. Uh, it, it looks like so the Reddit page itself uh, has a few posts every month. There are also posts in there for a extensive amount of discord groups for this for a game that's 13 years old i would say it has a decently sized community it's definitely one of those that i'd say has like a cult following like the people who like it really mm. like it and they make it work yeah yeah i was saying the same thing before too yeah yeah uh i i mean i've heard of it when i first watched it on uh no show tabletop an online show with Lil Wheaton, and that's what got me interested and then but no one else has really the other times i played it no one's really other heard of it because they weren't in the no yeah that's why it's like a cult classic it's not like mainstream at all introduced it to you yeah it's 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 not mainstream but it's good and popular i mean it's an award-winning game uh it's i I guess it's just a matter of uh, it's not in the zeitgeist for tabletop niche yeah I get that too. I think you all can tell we enjoyed it. <laughs> mm, yeah, um, I gave that perfect score because I've always loved playing this game anyway. Yep, I did too. Um, definitely would play again. It reminded me of all the best parts of like when you were playing as a kid with make believe, mm-hmm. um, but it gave you the limitations, so it didn't go too. It didn't go too far. Like when you were a kid, you would take it too far. You would take too much time doing things. Like this made it in a concise and, and um, focused manner, which was brought back the fun of it without the headaches that it caused yeah three for me i really enjoyed it yeah. now yeah. here's where i differed what you i i did not i would not recommend this to a lot of people uh at least not in our group just oh. because it's very role play heavy and i know a lot of people would not enjoy that aspect like out of the people that i would like i would talk to and recommend games to i could not recommend this because it didn't have enough to make it where i feel like a lot of people would enjoy playing it like it takes a certain person yeah i i gave it a a one half point there (laughs) yeah i just i love it i know a group of people who would love it but i know a lot of people who i could not recommend it to just because it didn't have enough um well this is also a three because i like to (laughs) Yes, and there's going to be people who aren't going to, but I always introduce it, just, you know, why not try it, or I won't push it. I'm like, 
there's also this. I won't like not mention it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, yay, everyone try it. <laughs> yeah, and it's except just... kids. Um, I guess if, unless you have like a kid friendly homebrewed. Yeah, I just I. I feel like a lot of people who enjoy TTRPGs would struggle with the concept of it being this open-ended. Mm-hmm. Um, so there'd be that limits the amount of people I can be like, hey, you should try this thing because I know that they would right. struggle. Same with Monster of the Week. I wouldn't recommend to a lot of people for the same reason because it's too freeing. Who I would recommend it to are prospective game masters, storytellers, dungeon yeah. masters who want to b- work on those improv uh muscles to have so you know you can in case of character or player uh shenanigans and you're able to adapt really well this was just a game of yes and Mm -hmm. oh yeah it's (laughs) when i when i sold this to will i i told him uh as a very generic before i read through everything it's basically improv the game yes (laughs) Mm -hmm. it is yeah but after that low score i would definitely play it again i feel like i would love playing even the sets over again with different people because yeah, even with the same sets you can have a totally different oh story, yeah oh yeah depending on what you roll it, it does have a decent replay value personally i uh i wouldn't play this all the time i would probably once or twice is, is fine for me i'm glad I, I tried it uh it's not a game i would play regularly or if i did i'd be very selective with the group i play with Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't want anyone to feel like uncomfortable playing this because for someone who doesn't like speaking up in a group, it definitely puts you on the spot really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, I get that. I get this whole personal section of three because I absolutely adore it. So oh, yeah. I would, because replay value, even an objective standpoint, with all the play sets and everything, like I'm reiterating, it's you will find something and it will be. And you can do over and over again, different time, each different game each time. So going into our sliding scales, mm-hmm. I said innovative three. I uh, felt that this is uh, something new and exciting, uh, not something I come across very often in role playing games. We're twins. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I got excited. Uh, I give innovative two because. It's just, without it, just mass chaos, playing pretend, and just giving some rules. I mean, yeah, it's, I guess it's, it is innovative, but I, I it gave is it, improv. Mm-hmm. I gave it three innovative because of the dice, and how they used the dice was in a creative way that's not normally done. Yeah. So I found that to be, like, very interesting and very cool to the creation. I'm always going to be tempted to do the best of the best, because, you know. I, oh, yeah, and that's, so. yeah. But that's why that's why we have too. four people at this table and Will who likes to join in. <laughs> you can't see; he just gave like a big old smile. Chris, I have to ask. Yeah. Classic two. You're the only Hi. person here <laughs> who gave a classic, and I'd love to hear your take on it. Okay, so uh, I'm apart from the first example that comes to my mind in regards to using d sixes to determine your character, which is the D&D 5th edition system of determining your bonds, personality traits, flaws, and uh, I forget what the fourth one is, but it's one of those things. Uh, there are a couple of other games that are predominantly used with where you determine most of the events with a number of D6s. Escape Triassic Park, which we went over. 
which mm-hmm. is more so rolling based on uh, and to, to determine your success. So I envision this sort of as a lot of sort of in those uh, lines, almost like a fusion between the two, where during most of it, the actual number that you roll doesn't matter. What matters is some other specific trait. So most of the, the game was played where the only thing that mattered was the color. And then the very, very beginning during setup was the only time that numbers even mattered. And also at the end with the, the conclusion. So I, I consider it fairly classic because of that. Because there's only almost like a binary system of what is what is considered success versus failure or what is considered uh, part of the, the story or what's considered important to the story. Nice. Pog. <laughs> higher scores overall for that uh going into simple versus complex uh i give it a simple two i think i talked about this a little bit at the very beginning uh this game is it's not difficult to learn and it's very open-ended and i feel like the fact that it's all player controlled and it's all like on the spot is the game's best strength but also its greatest weakness because mm-hmm. it's so open-ended I felt the the ending in particular was very uh, anticlimactic compared to all the fun we had leading up to it. Yeah. And uh, if it's not, if it had just a little bit more direction, I feel like it would be better off. And I know that takes away from the very concept of the game itself. Yeah. And it's a hard balance. Yeah. But it, it could use just a little bit, maybe even just kind of randomized events that uh, happen towards the like an, an, a, like a second tilt almost. Yeah, I guess uh, or or a more directed tilt. So in our in our game, for example, we just had a prompt. Someone is looking to do what was it again? It was someone um, was looking to. Oh, it's like now is paranoia. your time. Someone is watching. Yeah, now's your time. Someone waiting is for their moment. But that can be interpreted in so many different ways yeah. that it almost doesn't have. It didn't even have very big of an impact on the overall story. I think we had three instances where it was used, and that was with uh, your well, NPC character. With the oil baron, and then with uh, mysterious bartender. Mysterious bartender taking over the identity of your character. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> that, it did. To me, it did because of of you were the, well. I had to suggest it, but I don't know. I you could have just played it, but uh, uh, that of that one engineer. Yeah, yeah. So that did kind of you know throw off. It got used. I think it. I think he just means he wants something specific, like a leak spring in the boat, mm. or something like that, where it's a little where it's more, more cooperative yeah. between the, yeah. the groups. Because our it's characters didn't really meet up very often. Like it wasn't like we were meant to talk to each other, other than like vaguely being connected. Actually, with a bigger group, that's probably going to tend to happen more. Yeah, there's more um, with the NPCs. Like I don't. I don't think did our character. I don't think Fiasco and Byron yeah. met. We didn't. No, we never touched you, base other than me just hearing complaints. Me, yeah. yeah, I referenced you as like if other workers were complaining about you tipping them in Monopoly money. Hilariously, when you did that, I debated if I wanted to like be in the background. Like, yes, you have a hundred and you have a hundred. Everybody yeah. gets Monopoly money today. And same with I didn't meet up with Charles the baby stealer either. Oh, yeah. I was just with dad and captain. Which That's it, General Dad, Nathaniel yeah. Gregory Decker III. It does make sense, though, because both of those two characters are the largest. And that I was connected with, with, but it, it just, 
you know, I'm used to TTRPGs where we're all interacting together. And also, it also depends on the scenarios we build. Yeah. So it's it's a lot of it's a lot of it doesn't take away from it, but it's just something that I wanted to bring up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It if we played again, it might come up actually more than um, yeah. You know. I just wanted to say it in case yeah. like someone goes into this game and then yeah. that aspect comes up and they're like, oh, that's not what I was expecting. Hmm. Um, yeah, this I see this play as like a very beginner uh, uh, game because you know it kind of teetered off at the end when usually Act Two is when all the, the meat and juice of everything p- compiling up, ex- uh, even with the tilt combined in there, it would. And just total chaos and like mm-hmm. I feel like fiasco. We, <laughs> I feel like we accomplished too much in the first act. Yeah, that it made our our second act kind of lag behind. Yeah, it's more practice with that mm-hmm. than we can. Kinda, the baby like, was delivered. The baby <laughs> was delivered. Naughty boy got put in ice box. Yeah. Uh, once again, I noticed there's only seems to be one outlier with our scores. <laughs> uh, complex. Mm-hmm. I, I can feel your eyes burning directly <laughs> into me. Yeah. Do you have a question? Did you enjoy yeah. it that much? <laughs> I, okay, so I admittedly, um, most of my my issues, both the complexity and enjoyment, came from uh, turn order oh, okay. and the actual system that themselves. That's understandable, yeah. Uh, you did get the, the raw end of the stick there. Yeah. Um, specifically in regards to complex, uh, the way that the actual system works where you roll the dice and then that determines your pools of what connections you can make is a little difficult to get from the get-go, especially considering later on those rules are never used again or uh, apart from the tilt, which is the only other time that it's used. Um, But it's just a matter of you have the dice which then determine the broader category you're allowed to go for and then you have the dice that are then used supplementary to determine what specific relationship is done in that category that you have so every single category and choice has two dice where i feel like if you just every person got to choose one of the categories and the only time that you need to know the number is when you actually build on that category might have been easier and i feel like we could have done sort of more interesting things with that yeah it's just the way i ran it okay i I don't want to say it's the way you ran it because that's the way that it was listed in the book wasn't it Mm, no you can if if i did something between you and me uh sorry if i uh listed something say i did it between ian and brooke and uh and that was like the first like we just started Mm mm-hmm and it was Brooke's turn, she could have defined it right then and there. I just did it. That's the way I... Oh, where we do one cycle of yeah. the actual thing. Uh, I, I'm sorry I, I didn't think of the I'll, repercussions. I'll, I'll say that that's less so the problem about being able to exemplify that on like whenever you'd like. And it was more so a problem of the actual system that they used, which is to say where you have to roll and use one of the dice from the pool. Say, for example, if I wanted to have... Uh, a relationship with Will's character and I wanted it to uh, specifically be one of the special um, relationships, I wouldn't be able to do that uh, if there were no sixes. Mm-hmm. Or uh, if there were no sixes left. Like, there could be only one cycle. I would have liked it where you could choose which broad category you have with someone else, but the dice would represent 
one of the the specific categories in that broader category. The dice were also used for the turns. So, you know, once at the end of Act 2, there was no more dice in the middle. So mm-hmm. it also counts, you know, keeps track of that. I do kind of get where you're coming from. And I think this, just to briefly go back to um, recommendations where Brooke talked about that there was this game isn't for everyone. And I, yeah. I like to think I, I know you well enough because we, 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 we live together to, to say. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. That um, positive. For most of the games you've played up until now that I know of are games where you get to build your own character and kind of decide your own fate, pretty mm-hmm. much. And the way that the game starts with character creation kind of predetermines not only what you'll be doing, who you'll be talking to, and who your character is. And if you're not able to kind of work with that on the fly, I can see why that would be very uh, upsetting. Yeah, you want to make your own character with the options you're given, but, um, not, you know, what's left. Leave it to chance. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's the whole point, because it's literally improv. Mm-hmm. So uh, you're just, you know, improv actors don't choose their own, you know, characters and settings and stuff. They ask the audience, and this instance we asked don't the, have an audience so we have some dice yes. we asked for the spirits of the random number generators <laughs> which was yeah the... yeah but i think also if, if we had done that thing where we ping-bonged back and forth and went around you might have had a little more freedom with what your character was like yeah i think it could have been that could be easier um if there was probably four people yeah it, i mean if too. it was five I, I would start to lose track of who's doing what and where this is true. Well, I mean, no, so I'm saying, like, if, so, we start with, say we start with Chris, we'd go around, and we got to Will, Will would do it one more time, and then we go around. So, oh, right, like, exactly. Yeah. But, I don't I know mean, if it would, I don't I, it depends on the person. What I'm it, hearing is it's all Will's fault. I Always. Think, we still were kind of confused <laughs> with the clockwise order, because we, well, I, 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 I think because I handed it to Ian. And yeah, and then I didn't notice we were doing clockwise for a while. Or counterclockwise or whatever. Whatever happened. I was not aware that we were doing it in an order. It just seemed kind of random. I also think it might have worked if we did it such that uh, every time it was your turn, you exemplified the person, one of the people who was next to you, as opposed to exemplifying someone else. Yeah. Because then you would have more control over your own character, even though other you would have less control over the narrative as a whole, you would still have a connection between two of the the characters present. Hmm. So, anyone have a wrap-up thought? I didn't write that down, sorry. Most um, of my wrap-up is about the, the system <laughs> rules being against the person who goes last. My, I have one quick thing. Just, this this seems like something that leads into being silly very quickly. Well, so, just piece. to make sure that you're, um, yes, Codpiece and, and Kibble. Um, was it Kibble? What was the thing it was, you were feeding? It was uh, Kibble's Kitty Kibble. Kitty, Kitty Kibble, Kibble was the thing you were feeding people. Okay. Mm. <laughs> So just like to be, some groups are very serious. Like our Friday groups tend to be very serious, but our Tuesday group tends to be more fun and free with their stuff. So just like I, I it's another thing of just knowing your party. Yeah. Know your party for your safety rules. Know your party for what they're expecting out of an RPG. Mm-hmm. Like you just, shockingly, you have to know the people you play with. <laughs> it's also, you know, with that, easy to add like supernatural elements. I could have brought up like, you know, the... Baby was a mystic baby destined to do this, and it was a wizard <laughs> reincarnated, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I, I did want to make the mysterious uh, bartender uh, a ghost. Yeah. I mean, you could have done <laughs> that too. If you texted me that, I would have totally rolled with that. <laughs> it would have been hilarious. 
Uh, yeah, I definitely say that uh, when you play this game and you're getting your group together, uh, if depending on how you want it to go out, I would select them carefully. Them yes, yeah. very much so. Because it also could get very annoying very quickly if you have someone who just likes to throw wrenches in everyone's plans, which there are some people that that's what the fun is for the game for them. He, he literally threw a wrench into me. He, he literally threw a wrench at me, but that was because I got given a <laughs> green die or a black die. We had green dice, uh, which meant it had to be a bad outcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was another thing we didn't. We, oh, we I, didn't, I, didn't really, that. you know, because yeah. we're in the middle of things and everyone's paying attention to everyone's other scene, so we didn't really get the chance to. To you know, flick the the dice in your. This direction. is going good or this is going bad because you got to tell people if the scene would end well or poorly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think, is that everyone, anything else anyone wants to bring up? As far as my comments, it was what I've already brought up before about the system maybe needing a little more direction. Uh, so I'm all set. Slightly more direction, I guess. Uh, Not like, because to me that would take out the fun. Just, just a tad, like just a touch towards the end, I think, to wrap things up a little faster Mm -hmm. or like in a, in a a nice little bow would be nice. But I also realize it's meant to be a game where things go wrong and you Mm -hmm. have consequences. So... You know, I, I understand. Chris. I was just disappointed. <laughs> okay, we need to get Chris food. <laughs> so, going into total scores, then. Uh, I gave it a 34 out of 42. Mine was a 32 and a half. 37. 23. <laughs> Will, do you want to just share what your points were? I didn't, I didn't Oh, you didn't tally him up. Okay. No, just, that was, that's I'm just going to say he agrees with me, okay? <laughs> hey, don't worry. The average score was 31.6. Okay, that's right. not bad. That's not bad. Chris, you're what we call a curve killer. Hi. <laughs> well, I oh, mean, I mean, I'm I'm just making sure we don't get too high of a score here. <laughs> well, that's going to happen with every game. Like, the same thing happened when we were doing our two-for-one special for Christmas, where yeah. uh, Catan really and, and Skyfall were in the same time, and we just had people who didn't like different kinds of games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it really just depends on, on who's playing. So... Wrap up. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you want to know more about Fiasco, I recommend checking out Bully Pulpit Games' website or following them on Twitter. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us at Dancing with the Bards on Twitter. Sorry. You can find us at Dance with Bards on Twitter or subscribe to our Twitch channel at twitch.tv withbards. We hope you guys have a a wonderful fiasco day. Also, if you want to see our gameplay, it should be up on YouTube. So if you want to see us being stupid, that's your best bet. Okay. And this is where the outro music plays. We got to get outro music. Goodbye. Goodbye. I can probably make some. We'll talk about it. Bye.